Coming up, Daniel Jones finally starts to get on track during training camp, but as with all things New York football giants, a concern at the wide receiver position, potentially, for Andy. Not for me. We'll get into it next. Ah, uh, yes, friends, it's OGP, the one giant podcast, where, of course, we are your hosts. Over here, Adam Marwick, breaking down the Brooklyn Nets and the Locked On Nets podcast with my boy, Doug Norrie. And yonder there, it is the seasoned generational ticket holder, the healthy, wealthy, and wise, Mr. Andrew Makowitz. How are we, sir? I am doing good. We're about to head out, um, get a little beach time in with the family um, later yeah. this afternoon through the weekend. But obviously, we're going to be we're going to be coming in with some more training camp news. And Adam... Uh, for for anyone that's listening, Adam is wearing a hat that says adventure on it. And I feel like that pretty much sums up what training camp has been so far for the Giants. It feels like it's been a little bit of an adventure, right? Yeah, listen, I think it's the nature of it, right? And we got um, yesterday we discussed about Dane Belton's injury. We took a look at the defensive side of the ball. Some of the things that we've seen, Darian Beaver's emergence. There's a couple of things, and, and I'll fail to mention specifically people by name here because uh, I don't have it up in front of me right now. But one thing was. Um, reminding everyone that some of the draft class got shifted a little bit based around the pandemic and around COVID, right? There wasn't the same level of opportunities to see prospects that influenced where some of the board fell. And I think it was specifically when you thought about a guy like Darian Beavers and just saying, remember, if you were in that middle back end of the kind of prospect pool potentially, and you weren't able to be seen as much as you would have anticipated, that could impact where your draft stock ended up. And that's why, as we were so high on Darian Beavers and other players, you started to see maybe the talent pool actually is a little bit, we'll call it deeper as far as who could be successful and who could come and have an impact. So I thought that was a really good reminder from one of the, one of the listeners, one of the fans over on YouTube, bringing that back to our attention, which is, listen, it only benefits the Giants. But I'll be curious to see around the NFL how many teams maybe have a few more what end up feeling like diamond in the rough players, fifth, sixth, you know, seventh round picks, but it's really about just some of those weird circumstances that we're still coming out of the impact from. Yeah. I mean, you talk about circumstances, you talk about fit, you talk about base defenses. There's so many different things that we don't necessarily think about. We just like as fans and people that watch football, we watch a guy in college. We're like, Oh, he's good. He should get drafted early. And then you're like, well, what position does he play? Is he the right size? What scheme does he fit in? Can he blitz? There's so many different things that go into it, Adam. So scheme and circumstance are usually the two biggest things that I think about when a guy starts falling outside of injuries, obviously. The other quick one was just that somebody mentioned because we're talking about Dane Belton. And then what we're going to get into today is Daniel Jones, his performance in camp yesterday, finally starting to put a good foot forward here. And then talking about some of his weapons that'll be around him. But the other one was, um, I guess, you know, suggesting maybe that we're a little overreactive to Dane Belton being injured, essentially. And this is not, it's not a negative. We always love all the comments, get in on the conversation with saying, yeah, injuries happen, you know, calm down. And again, we'll frame it around this adventure because the Giants are a tentative team going into this season. There's so many things we're excited about, but. For especially for us on this show, like Dane Belton represents what is a needle mover for this team, I think, in this season, in our minds, right? It can help the defense be better. It can help this team overall take that step forward. And while injuries do happen, 
Dane Belton went down. Okay. He may be back in time for the start of the season somewhere early on in the year. Well, what if now Darian Beavers maybe goes down, right? Or what if Xavier McKinney went back down? Or what if a wide receiver, like, what if Saquon Barkley injured something? Like, yeah, injuries happen. We all get that. But it matters more when you're a rebuilding team and you're trying to get some positive energy going towards the season. Every time you see someone go down, you watch that spider web effect of how many roster moves do we make? How do we keep guys in camp for reps? How do we reassess what our depth chart looks like and set expectations going forward, especially for a guy like Dane, who we think underneath Wink was exactly the kind of weapon you want to add into that pool with Xavier McKinney, with Julian Love, and then maybe with a guy like Yusuf Corker. You, you also mentioned, you know, for a rebuilding team, you can't afford some of these things. You, you can't also afford these things when you don't have a top five, six, or seven quarterback that can overcome some of these big, ad, you know, adversities. Look at Patrick Mahomes. He had no offensive line, uh, you know, two years ago when the Bucs won the Super Bowl. He still ended up getting there and making it because he's just like otherworldly in, in terms of his talent. You look at, yep. you know, Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers, there's guys that it doesn't matter whether they have their number one wide receiver or their tight end or their defense is giving up you know, a ton of points. We unfortunately don't have that luxury. Everything needs to be lining up for this Giants offense to be successful, Adam. 100%. And we're going to tap back into that name that we mentioned here on the back end of this episode in Yusuf Corker because he is a guy that now has a big opportunity. We touched on him yesterday and what our, our dream scenario of the safety position can look like. But Let's make sure that we don't lose sight of what we want to really get to here. Because for the first time in training camp, it feels like Daniel Jones starting to get that rhythm in the offensive system under Mike Kafka, under Brian Dable, and maybe putting together a sample size so that we can, we all know it's going to be a gradual process and the defense is always ahead of the offense to start. But yesterday was the first time that it looked like by all accounts, Daniel Jones was crisp. The offense was crisp and they were able to move the ball successfully against the day. Yeah. I mean, even, even the biggest detractors of Daniel Jones have to have to admit that yesterday was a great day for him. Like anyone that was there in person said he was throwing an amazing, amazing deep ball. Obviously he had a great connection with David Sills. That seems to be the storyline of the, of the day. We Adam, you have a little bit more context about like, those two have a rapport and have been working hard together even last off season. Yeah, this was, you know, it's funny because it's going to tie into the rest of the wide receiving core here in a minute, but David Sills going back to last off season, we, I remember talking about it with you. I confirmed it before we started. I was like, wasn't it? Yes, it was. David Sills was the wide receiver that was following Daniel Jones around like a puppy dog all off season. And I think even puppy dog was, was your term. If I, I'm having like a deja vu moment where it was like, yeah, that's what you should be doing. You're this guy who's trying to make a name for himself on the roster. Daniel Jones is the starting, maybe franchise quarterback, go everywhere with him and try to develop that rapport and develop that type of, of consistency where Daniel Jones feels like regardless of whether or not you're undrafted, first round, fifth round, whatever, I have a connection with this receiver and a reliability. He got to get in there yesterday, and it looks like the fruit of that labor is coming to the surface. And we heard it some last year in camp too, so you can't overstate what it could mean. But David Sills is doing everything he possibly can to put his best foot forward, and it paid off yesterday in a big way. Yeah, it felt like a lot of the wide receiver room was having big days. I mean, Darius Slayton had a big catch that I think the Giants video team pointed it out. He he high pointed a ball, went up over a cornerback and was able to just like with with tremendous hand strength, just rip that thing out. And, and it looked like a great catch. So as much as, you know, Darius Slayton was maligned earlier in camp, he looks to be trying to make sure that people remember his name and remember that he can be a contributor here. I think. 
The important thing about Daniel Jones, and and this this part of it is interesting to me. He was 14 of 18 with two touchdowns during the live drills. And you may say, okay, that's good. That's that's solid. That's what we need from him. But this particular part of the drills was the third and long, the third and tens, where the defense knows that these longer passes are coming. They're giving the underneath routes, and Daniel Jones is still completing passes down the field. That has to be encouraging for Giant fans hearing he is, you know, holding the ball, seeing the field, making the longer passes, because we know that the short little hitch passes and handoffs to guys like Tony and Wondell Robinson will be there. It's can he make the throws down the field to this complement of wide receivers? Yeah, it's yeah, it's about, to your point, you can manufacture offensive success that is kind of regardless of who's under center, right? And you mentioned like the extended handoffs, the effective little pitch plays, the really short routes where you're going, let Wandale, let Kadarius Tony, let Saquon Barkley out of the backfield, do the work after the catch. And by the way, those are going to be important components to what you want to accomplish. So make no mistake about it. But if we're trying to get excited about Daniel Jones in camp, these are the type of days you need to see the deep balls downfield going into contested coverage, right? And being able to find the timing, the rhythm and the consistency. And we heard, I think over the day prior that there were some drops from the wide receiver group. And that makes it harder to evaluate when you're just getting a stat line, you know, at the end of practice. But for the most part, there's been this level of inconsistency. And we had even also heard though from Brian Dable that some of this stuff was, we want Daniel Jones to be taking these risks into double coverage, into some bad situational football. And, And it goes on both sides. It's because it gives reps to everybody around it gives the challenge of contested catches. And I, I think, you know, one of the things is we don't want to see Daniel Jones make bad plays or make mistakes, but the best, the better quarterbacks in the league, those are the ones on game day on Sunday night football. When you hear that broadcast crew and they go, wow, right. Mahomes inexplicably manages to get out of the pocket, avoids getting sacked, scrambles. You know, you would never want to throw it off back foot and goes downfield into double coverage and comes up with a big play that's going to change the field position and put the Chiefs in a position to go and maybe get a score, get a field goal, et cetera, right? Like, and I'm not putting Daniel Jones anywhere near Patrick Mahomes, but that is some of the things that you need your quarterback to showcase to feel like, okay, this is a guy that can go and win us football games that can take control of an offense. So at the very least, it's this little step forward. You know, We're not going to beat him up for having rough days to start. We're not going to overhype him for having a good day. But it was a good day, and and you can't you can't get better unless you start having good days of practice. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Patrick Mahomes, but you think about like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. They just have mm-hmm. a little bit of that escapability to continue the play and, and extend it. I would say Tom Brady is the one person who doesn't fall into that category where he just throws a beautiful ball and is willing to stay in the pocket for as long as humanly possible. But that's not the type of thrower that Daniel Jones is going to be. He needs to be more like the guy using his legs when things get tough and less like Brady just standing in the pocket, right? So, yeah, the first the first quick thing, because I've been chuckling a little bit through this, just because everyone was saying he had a good day. And you said 14 to 18, maybe there's a couple extra passes. But here, the, the verbatim, Art Stapleton, does a great job covering the Giants. This isn't a knock on Art. It's just really funny way and probably the most appropriate way to contextualize Daniel Jones. Today was Daniel Jones' best day in camp. Situational focus was on third and 10 plus. I had Jones 16 for 20 and 11 on 11 drills with two touchdowns, including one from in close to David Sills that punctuated the final session. Jones was intercepted twice on the day by Adore Jackson. Like, no matter what, there's always going to be that caveat, which was actually a positive for Adore Jackson, someone who has not been known in his career 
to be a guy that gets a lot of interceptions. So it was good for him. But I, I, I just couldn't help myself. It was like, so good, so good, so good, so good. And by the way, there's a little thing that happened that wasn't so great. But and that and that I think maybe is the best way to think about Daniel Jones. Like in order for him to give you some of the highs, you're going to have to take in a couple of these lumps and a couple of these lows. I think that that may be the way to look at him. If you wanted to be the franchise quarterback, it's going to be, yes, he can get the job done. You're just going to have to live with some of those risk results that he's going to give you. And we've talked about that before. He had his best career under Pat Shermer, who was willing to, you know, let let him get out there and, and make big plays and potentially have a turnover or a fumble. And then you looked at, you know, the the following regime basically said we want to limit the turnovers as much as possible, which t- takes some of the creativeness and some of the deep ball passes away from Daniel Jones. If he's thinking about don't turn over the ball instead of let's make a big play here or let's go down the right. field and score, obviously the mentality is a little bit different. You you mentioned Dory Jackson though, Adam. I think it, he's having a wonderful training camp so far. Yeah. He is establishing himself as the number one cornerback. We already knew he was, but he's really taking on that role. Um, you know, there was some crossing routes over the middle that Daniel Jones held the ball for a little too long. Dory Jackson read it perfectly. Would have been a pick six. Looked looked great. He is looking every bit of a number one lockdown corner in wing system, which is going to be encouraging on that side of the ball. Yeah, I'll just say, man, Adoree Jackson, you're hearing positive reviews. Xavier McKinney, anytime you hear his name get mentioned, it constantly gets tagged with, like, clearly the the defensive leader that the new regime for the New York football Giants wants him to be. He, I, I believe he's – no, no, sorry, this is on Adoree Jackson. Had the two interceptions and then also was the first player to sprint down the sideline when a wide receiver went down with a potential injury to check on him. And they mentioned him in a leadership role, too. I think defensively – especially under Wink Martin, we talked about what is the impact going to be of this coaching staff. I think you're just seeing reverberate through all these guys. There's a level of that responsibility, the accountability. They all know it's a fresh start here for a lot of them. If you're a player that isn't guaranteed like Xavier McKinney to be around here. Um, But it just does feel like the defense, the mentality, the approach and the practice all seems to have really started to click in very quickly for them on that side of the ball. And then on the offensive side, we're starting to get that sample size here, um, which includes, by the way, uh, to blend the two together, Ryan Dable getting a little bit miffed that some of the defensive players were getting a little bit close to Daniel Jones, even, uh, I think, brushed against uh, Davis Webb, who went down. So the real the old red jersey, red means stop, is maybe getting away from uh, the defensive side of the ball a little bit. And I believe Shane Lemieux even got into a bit of a scuffle as well these last couple of days. Well, uh, you talked about the defensive side of the ball, and yes, Dabes was not happy and not pleased with the <laughs> with the quarterbacks getting brushed. I mean, it feels like a, a story that's always in every training camp. Yes. Like yeah, head yeah. coach is mad that people are getting close to his, you know, s- franchise starting quarterback. The the thing that I was thinking about when we talked about Dory Jackson, Xavier McKinney, this season with all the veterans that left, it feels like it's time for some of our younger players to start becoming veterans overnight. When you lose yeah, yeah. Logan Ryan and James Bradbury and even Jabril Peppers, you lose some of these big name guys. All of a sudden, guys like Xavier McKinney, who's now in his third season, and guys like Adoree Jackson, who is on his second team, second big time contract. These are the types of guys that you expect to, to see step up. Now you have Blake Martinez in the middle. You have Leonard Williams up front. Those guys you expect to be vocal leaders of your team. But even even Xavier McKinney getting the green dot, which means he will be calling the plays yes. potentially during the regular season, shows Wink Martindale is putting a lot of faith that the progression of Xavier McKinney is going to continue, and he will be that leader of the back end of the defense. 
Yeah, it's funny to think of it. It's a really good point you bring up because I don't know what point you want to do that when you're a more competitive team and you have things that matters less about where the pro- the progression of your your young talent is and you can kind of gradually build towards them. But, you know, Xavier McKinney obviously missed time, but any of the young players, it does feel like, hey, I always use this term on the pocket. It's like the baptism by fire. Like either you're a leader or you're not, right? If you're Wink Martindale, you come in, the first thing you're going to say is, yeah, everything that you are coming out of college and everything that I think you're capable of, that makes you the leader of this defense. Either you're going to do it or you're not going to be the guy, like in a lot of ways, right? And we're going to have to look at you differently going forward when you talk about getting into contract negotiations another offseason from now. Like, I think that those things matter. And the best way to figure that out is to say, you're, you're, you're going to be the guy or you're not. Adoree Jackson, you're on this second big contract. You want to continue to be the leader, the number one on this. You have to come out and show those skill sets as well. I think it goes across the board in a lot of ways, and you can include Leonard Williams up front, right, and then extending it to these young rookies like Thibodeau, second-year player in Aziz Ojolari, who hasn't been out there right now. But, like, everybody, hey, like, either you, either you are the guy capable of filling the role or you're not, and that is a luxury that you're afforded when you're a team that's rebuilding. Look, look the same draft that Xavier McKinney was in, had Joe Burrow go number one, who was just in the Super Bowl, is clearly yep. a leader. Had Justin Herbert go at number six, who looks like he is the guy. It had Tristan Wirfs of the Tampa Bay Bucks. It had Andrew Thomas. And it had Justin Jefferson to the Vikings at, at 22. These are guys that you're like, they are superstars in this league. They are ready to lead immediately. Justin Jefferson's talking about 2,000 yards. Joe Burrow wants to go back to the Super Bowl. Is going to be in line for a huge contract. Yep. That 2020 draft class, it's time for those guys to become leaders. Year one, you're learning the system. Year two is when you become a breakout star. Year three is when you solidify yourself and you look around and say, I am going to be the best at my position. And it's time for you to no longer say, well, I'm a rookie. I'm on a rookie contract. It's like, no, it's now your time to lead. Like when you're 24, 25 years old, like that is the pinnacle of when you should start like coming into your own. Right, Adam? Oh, hundred percent. Yes. A hundred percent. And it's really, it's a good way to contextualize it outside in inside of that draft class. Right. And remember in that draft class, Xavier McKinney, when you talk about when he came out, it was, holy crap, this kid fell to the top of the second round. Like the giants knew that they were getting a steal. So yeah, you have to take those steps. Like this is something that the giants have lacked in recent memory over these seasons where you go, Oh yeah, he's his third year. It's his fourth year. We don't maybe, you know, Lorenzo Carter, ocean exhibit trying to turn over a new leaf, but like, these names, these second and third and fourth round players, you're like, I guess maybe it'll work out. Matt Pert may not even be on the roster. Like all of those narratives continue to make you go back and go, right. That's why we still Cause we keep, we keep not knowing where development is coming from, where young talent is coming from and where young leadership is coming from. Something that helps the team progress. Listen, these are, these can be considered cliche elements to it. Ultimately talent wins out. But when you have a new coaching staff like this, and we talked about it, and this happened a lot over from the YouTube discussions too. How big of an impact can you look at this roster and these players and say with good coaching and arguably that the Giants had some of the worst possible coaching? Maybe you want to put Patrick Graham off to his own category, but offensively and from the head coach position, this team has not been put in a position to have success over the last couple of seasons. Big shift here on all phases. That being the case though, one thing back on the offensive side that I want to get to because nothing can just be positive here. I just want to be clear. Kenny Galladay was on the sidelines, which is why David Sills was in there getting reps and looking good. And you also mentioned Darius Slayton, who when we've talked about him so far this offseason, I said, I think you want to give him every opportunity. We said Richie James and CJ Board, they're coming along. 
But I, I labeled him as I think you want to see him as behind Kenny Galladay. The potential has speed, stretch the field, big body, et cetera. David Sills looks pretty good too. But nothing comes without sadness. Like, are you concerned around Kenny Galladay and what has sounded like? And some people said, well, not getting great separation. We know it's not a part of his game. But remember, had some injuries last year. His tenure with the Giants hasn't been terribly productive. He's a little bit older. Are we closer to the end of the road for Kenny Galladay than, oh, he just needs to get back into his, quote, prime? Because bigger body receivers, they do fall off quickly. You know, guys that are not known for their speed. One of the first names that comes to mind when we talk about that is someone um, maybe like a Des Bryant, who, you know, was playing at the highest possible level and then seemingly very quickly just became a guy and then was out of the league. Yeah. I mean, you think about Julio Jones has been great for so long. All of a sudden, now, like he just signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, had a, had a pretty awful year by his standards with with uh, the Tennessee Titans last sure. year. But I am concerned, Adam. I, I am concerned about Kenny Galladay because of two things. One is that we're paying him a bunch of money, and he 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 fills a role that I don't feel that we have another guy on the roster that can fill that role, which is who can go up, use their big frame in red zone situations, and go get a football for Daniel Jones. I feel like he's the only one of the wide receivers that we have on the roster where you feel confident that if you were to throw a 50-50 ball up into the corner, that he has the size and the body and the box out ability to go get it. So that's the first piece. The second is, I think because of his contract, with $14 million in dead cap, if you release him next offseason, I think you're going to see Kenny Galladay on this team next season unless something crazy happens this season. So for me, if this is a real decline in Kenny Galladay, it makes me very concerned because we're not talking about just this year. I'm looking at it as a two-year runway for Kenny Galladay to be with the Giants from here moving forward. Yeah, um, so from the money standpoint, the big picture, I agree with you because it, it just means that's it. Like I've talked about how, well, if he looks pretty good to start the year, I'd be team trade him at the deadline, get value for him because you don't want to be saddled with that money going into next offseason and going into next season when you think some of these other younger players are developed. The spot where you and I disagree is like, I don't think, and I said this all offseason, and Andy and I have debated it, and doesn't I don't know who's right. It'll come out. It'll be The proof will be on the field. I don't think that Kenny Galladay matters as much to this offense and to the success of it. Like, I think it's the reason why they wanted to get Wandale Robinson. They already had Kadarius Toney. You look at those talents. You think about the Kafka system. Yes, you want to have a big body that stretches the field. We all agree that that needs to be a part of it. But I think at least the first phase of this offense is going to be about versatility, as we've talked about, pre-snap motion, getting guys into different spots, creating different looks for defenses, and creating, manufacturing the best possible matchups on a down-and-distance basis. And if you have enough in the talent pool to be able to accomplish that, it need not be oh, we're missing this specific player that serves this specific role. Now, when you talk about, obviously, uh, Robert Foster went down. That was unfortunate. Came over from the Buffalo Bills. Hadn't been doing a lot in camp, but he went down with an injury. Tried to walk it off. Want we'll to see what happens with him. But when you do look at this roster, like, I get it. Kenny Galladay listed at 6'4". So if you want to get into those big-bodied names, you know, C.J. Board is only there at 6'1". You can get down to guys like Marcus Kemp that they brought in and guys like Colin Johnson who are bigger and obviously a player like Sills who has a little bit of size. I don't have this exact measurement down here. Uh, 6'3". So I, and, then you th- and, I, and then I throw in a guy like Darius Slayton. Like, I just, to me, what Kenny Galladay, specifically what he has been so far for this team and then maybe what you want him to be out of that role – 
I think that you can sum of your parts that position. And I also think you mentioned it's like Daniel Bellinger. You got to come on strong at the tight end position. We haven't had you know consistent, reliable production out of that role. We're going to have a healthy Saquon Barkley. That changes the dynamic of what the weapons are. And Kadarius Tony, if healthy, no, he's not the big-bodied receiver in the red zone, but he's already showcased, and the athleticism is there to be like, it need not matter, right? I'm not comparing him. This isn't a one-to-one comp. But when you were in the red zone, you want to throw the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. You throw the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. You don't worry about whether or not he's, quote, big enough for it. I think that they have the weapons for it. Like, I, I just, yeah, like, I don't look at Kenny Galladay and think, oh, no, if Kenny Galladay is basically what he's been the last few years, kind of not that productive and really not that important to what they want to accomplish. All right. Like, I, I've already, in my, in my mind, I've already moved on from Kenny Galladay being a key component to what this offense accomplishes. Yeah, well, the, the one thing I'll say, Adam, and the way that I think about Kenny Galladay is is very simple. If this team wants to outperform their projected win total of seven and a half, mm-hmm. I believe that Kenny Galladay needs to be a part of that. I think if Kenny Galladay is not a part of that, there there is a very, very narrow window that the Giants would have to exceed expectations this year because we believe that Kadarius Tony is going to have a good year. You see what's happening with Wandell Robinson. If you lose that verticality, and that you know high catch high point ability with with Kadarius Tony, I feel like the offense is is a little bit more limited than what it can be. Ultimately, we know it's Daniel Jones that that is going to yeah, yeah. be the engine that that is that is making the car go. But for me, I just don't see a way. But you know, if Kenny Galladay ends up having 800 yards and seven touchdowns or eight touchdowns and becomes a guy that you can rely upon, that makes it so much easier for me to visualize how the Giants can get to you know, eight, eight and nine or nine and eight and start creeping into the playoff picture. A hundred percent. And that's, again, it's only based on what you think his value was going to be coming into the season that determines whether or not it's a concern. Right. And that's why for Andy, if we lose Kenny Galladay, oh boy, what does that mean for me? I just go, yeah, everybody else, man. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm more bullish on what everyone else on three other components of this offense, four other components. If you add in, running backs as receivers coming out of the backfield than I am about what Kenny Galladay is going to bring to the table. Let's get out the door here just very quickly. Um, Yusuf Corker, we mentioned him earlier. Um, I like that. I want you to give there was some positives coming out. Ryan Dunn, Levy uh, reported this over for the New York Post. Um, here's a little quote that you always love to get before you head to practice. Have a great day. Have a great, good practice. Love you. By the way, I'm about to start pushing. That would be Yusuf Corker's wife. Uh, as he's going into practice and they're preparing to expand their family nucleus. Well, but Adam, Adam that was, about- that was the, well, the story from Ryan Dunleavy, that was happening like right around the senior bowl back in yeah, February, yeah, but he yeah. was like getting ready to practice for the senior bowl. And yes. she's like, by the way, your, 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 your child is coming. And he's like, what, yeah. what are we talking about here? Not Yes. But, not this off season in this practice. Yeah. No, 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 no. What? I mean, that, what a story that would be, but, <laughs> but no, but Yusuf Corker has this opportunity. We talked about Dame Belton going down. And I, I said, the silver lining may be that Yusuf Corker can show that he can be a big contributor to this roster and i do believe that we we talked about his his thumping and his ability to get tackles for loss and get into the backfield when he comes up uh into the box i think he has a really good opportunity to showcase over the next couple weeks especially in some of these preseason games now he's going to be getting more snaps than we thought he did before the belton injury so now it's time to see if our safety room is where it needs to be with Adams, Corker, Love, and McKinney being kind of the four-headed monster going into the first preseason game. 
Yep, Dable said he's improving. He likes what he's doing. He's going to do whatever it takes to help our defense, said Robinson, who texted Corker as soon as he heard they were teammates again coming into this opportunity with the New York football Giants. That's just how Yusuf is. Even outside of football, he's always thinking about his family and what he can do to do better for them. So it looks like, as we always like to say, listen, we are a uh, at the end of the day. We are a, uh, a both and podcast. We like we like the fluffy narratives. And if Yusuf Corker is known as a good guy, someone that tries to do all the right things, someone that's trying to do the best for his family and for his football team, we love it. We want to see him be productive. And to your point, boy, we talk about and we'll start to get into this as we get through the end of this week and into next week, heading towards that first preseason game. Who are the list of young, talented players that have the door open here to make a statement over these preseason games and say, I can be a contributor on this team on either side of the ball, and I can change the way we perceive the depth and talent pool that we have going into the regular season. Head over to YouTube, friends. Get into the comments. We will mention you by name if I remember to remember your name to mention it. Get over to the podcast where we get those needs fulfilled as well. And as Andy Makowitz is going to want, need, and demand the people know, As always, let's go Big Blue. 